Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, this is Joel from The Passing Shot. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our show. We're supported by every one of our fans in the Passing Shot community. And if you want to become one of them and get the latest updates from your tennis catch-up service, then all you need to do is follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at Passing Shot Pod. And if you like what you hear, then why not tell your friends or leave us a rating and subscribe. Thanks for listening. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Osaka out. Serena out. Zverev winning in five set matches. It can only mean one thing. It's the French Open week one passing shot pouch up. Let's play. Hello tennis fans and welcome to The Passing Shot, your tennis catch-up podcast. This week on The Passing Shot, we'll be looking back on the French Open and week one, which has come to a close. As always, you're joined by myself, Joel, aka The Wandering Wildcard, and I'm joined by my co-host Kim, the self-confessed Queen of Clay. Kim, how are you doing today? Hi, Joel. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Um, We've just witnessed the end of a classic match, haven't we, on... uh on Suzanne Longlon between Stefan Sitsifas and Stan Wawrinka. So um, I have to say I missed the end because I was occupied at the beach. Um, <laughs> but I did witness Joe Conter's um, victory into the quarters um, earlier this morning. So on a bit of a high because of that. And I'm hoping Joe will go all the way and become, I don't know, our very own British Queen of Clay. Um, she can take the name off me. I'm more than willing to give it to her. But yeah, so much has been happening. So much. <laughs> yeah, we've had uh, a lot of fantastic matches already. For me, I think the Sissipas Vorinka match has been the match of the tournament so far. But there's been certainly plenty of shocks, probably more on the on the women's side. So I think we're gonna gonna start there. Um, let's first of all look at who we've got left in the tournament. Uh, up to the round of 16, Kim? Yeah, let's do that. So <laughs> so round of 16, well, we, as we're recording this, we've got a quarterfinal um, lined up already. So we've got Petra Martic against Marketa von Drusva. Um So either one of those players will be in the semi-final, which um, is quite exciting. Um, and then we've got Joe Conta, obviously. She's in the quarters and she is awaiting the winner of Sloane Stevens and Garbina Muguruza, which actually, as we're recording, they are, they are still playing. So Stevens, I think, is a setup as we speak. Um, 
so that's going to be a that's going to be a tough old quarter but you know we'll see how joe can go on that one um and then tomorrow we've got round of 16 matches anisimova against bolsova i don't know if many people saw that one being in the draw um simona halep who has you know actually made it to the fourth round as one of the one of the only top eight seeds to have actually got to this stage. She will play the youngster Iga Swiatek of Poland. And we've got Sofia Kenin against Ashley Barty and uh, Sinyakova against Madison Keys. So those ones are fourth round matches going to be played tomorrow. I think there's some really intriguing matchups. They're not perhaps the matchups that people necessarily thought would be taking place, but I think they're actually all the more intriguing um, because we kind of don't know what to expect. We've had a lot of shocks in, in the women's in the women's draw. Only three of the top eight seeds have managed to reach the round of 16, Halep, Stevens and Barty. And, and it's actually the fewest uh, seeds that have got to the round of 16 at Roland Garros since 2001. So, yeah, there's lots of um, openings there for, for players that, you know, general fans might not be aware of to kind of make a name for themselves. Um, I think we have to talk about the the teenagers involved as well. You've got Von Drusova, who is you know 19 years old. Sviatek, again, I think is, is she is just turned years old. no, she just turned 18 like a couple of days ago. She had her birthday uh, yep, at Roland Just Garros. turned 18. Kenin as well. I mean, it's only kind of I think only 22. Or she's so. 20, yeah. And then Anissimo, Tw- oh, yeah, she's yep. 20. Not <laughs> she's just out of the teenage bracket, but um, still certainly young enough. And then Amanda Anissimova is 17, so she's actually become the youngest woman to reach uh, the round of 16 at Roland Garros since Martina Hingis uh, in 1998. And it's like only the second time in the last. 38 slams that we've had um, two or more teams getting to the fourth round. So I think that's one of the standout things from this tournament is that, yes, that the, the real youngsters have broken through to a certain extent. And it's very possible that we will see, I don't know, Anisimova or Swiatek perhaps in the semi. I mean, Von Drusova, I certainly think she, she has a very good chance of beating Petra Martic. I think out of... Out of the lot of them, Von Drusova, just because of the draw, probably has the best chance of perhaps getting to the final. Um, and actually, Von Drusova, let's start with her. Her form this year has actually been very, very impressive. She hasn't um, she hasn't performed worse than the quarterfinals at any tournament that she's played this year, except for the Australian Open. And today, she was kind of invincible. She completely thrashed Sevastova, only dropped two games. Um, I mean, you could say Sylvester was a bit tired because she'd had that epic win over Elise Mertens the round before where she had to save five match points to get through. But um, yeah, Von Drusova for me, she was very, very impressive. Certainly, I watched that I watched that game today and, and Sylvester just did not have um, an answer to uh, Von Drusova's game. And, you know, I think it's almost surprising that for a player who's made the quarterfinals or better at every tournament she's played in since the Australian Open... How is she not seeded, Kim? I mean, yeah, I she's, know. she's unseeded. In our preview episode, you called her out uh, correctly as a dark horse, you know, a player that no one was want to, no one want, was going to want to face. And, you know, she's into the, she's into the second week, into the quarterfinals. And certainly, you know, the sky's the limit in terms of how, you know, how far she can go into the competition because, yeah, the draw has opened up for her. Exactly. And, um, I mean, also, let's talk about, um, another, Another Czech player, um, Katerina Sinyakova, 
who we saw defeat Naomi Osaka in the third round. Uh, she's actually, this is, I think, my favourite stat from the whole tournament. Um, she is the doubles world number one and obviously defeated the singles world number one, which I just thought was so cool. Um, and it's the last, the last time that happened was in 1999 at the WTA finals when Lindsay Davenport defeated, um, Martina Hingis. So I thought that was really cool. And it just goes to show that, you know, playing a lot of doubles and spending a lot of time there can be really, really helpful for your singles career. And yes, yeah, Sinyakova, I, she hasn't really made waves on the singles tour, not to the extent of like Von Drusova this year, but. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how she does against Madison Keys tomorrow. And, you know, she beat, um, Sakari in the second round, who was, who was very in form on the clay and then backing it up with, with defeating Osaka. So it will be interesting to see if she can go any further. And kind of moving on to, uh, Iga Sviatek as well. She beat, uh, the Olympic champion Monica Puy, um, in the, in the, in her run to the last 16. Uh, Wang, Kiang Wang as well. Uh, in in round two so yeah again she's got a game that um, is probably going to mean that in a few years time you know we're probably going to see her name a lot more maybe people are surprised with seeing her name so soon I mean yeah just turn 18 years old into into the round of 16 at um, at Roland Garros but you would think that Simona Halep would be a a tall task um, a, a, a tall task for her to uh, to complete yeah, I think Halep will win that one. Um, but I think, you know, Sviatek was the Wimbledon junior champion only last year. So it's been a very quick breakthrough. And obviously, you know, having won Wimbledon juniors shows she's good on the grass. So I think, you know, she's obviously performed well on the clay here. Um, she's got a game for all surfaces. So, you know, she'd be one to certainly look out for at Wimbledon if she, uh, you know, she does lose to Halep tomorrow. And then, I mean, we had Sophia Kennan. She beat Serena Williams. She's playing Barty. Um, and, you know, Kennan, I think she she's a very feisty player. She really took it to Williams, um, even though the crowd were being a bit sort of anti her kind of attitude on court. And um, I think, you know, she there's that photo that was circulating on Twitter of her as a young girl with um, Anna Kornikova. And, you know, here she is now facing, you know, um, Serena on, on, on Philip Chatrier and beating her in straight sets so I mean it's a really I think it's really exciting to to see all these players break through and you know the women's game it's always a bit more engaging and intriguing for me because there is more opportunity to get breakthroughs and, and to see a diverse range of players um you know we've said before about the depth of women's tennis and I think this tournament really really has shown that also Aliona Bolsova who'll be playing um Anisimova she's a, a qualifier from Spain and I I'd never heard of her you know, um, so I think she is certainly the most unexpected of the of the lot of them to have reached this stage of the draw. Going to hold my hand up, Kim. Not not ever heard of her, but I'm kind <laughs> of interested to see. I'm I'm all for kind of unknown players breaking through and um, you know and going deep in, into tournaments, getting those ramping points, getting that getting that prize money. So uh, yeah, let's let's see how she does does against Anisimova, who I feel like has a bit more. Um, She's been spoken about a bit more in terms of one of these being earmarked, earmarked as an up-and-coming player, you know, in this Canadian uh, generation of, of young players that seem to be doing so well at the moment. So, Except, uh, Joel, yeah, she's not Canadian. <laughs> oh, she's sorry, I'm Canadian. thinking about Andrescu, aren't I? She's I'm American. Oh, you're getting oh, your A's mixed up. 
honestly, John. <laughs> apologies, but, uh, apologies, <laughs> passing shot listeners. <laughs> I have to send Joel to the, uh, I don't know, to the WTA website. But I was trying to find out more about Borsova, but on the, um, on the Roland Garros website, it doesn't even have where she was born. So, um, but I have heard, I think that she's originally Moldovan and then moved to Spain or something, but I'm sure after this tournament, you know, they'll be updating their stats online about her. Um, let's have a look at who, who we don't have in the draw still. As we've mentioned earlier, Naomi Osaka, she has gone out and I think, you know, um, she had very tight matches in the first two rounds. And I mean, Azarenka could, so easily have beaten her in the second round, which for me, it was very frustrating because I really do, I do want Azarenka to kind of get back up to the top. Um, I know you're quite a big Vika fan, aren't you, Joel? How did you feel about that match? <laughs> oh, so gutting. I feel like oh, she's, like every Grand Slam she's been in recently, she's been on the cusp of, um, you know, of breaking through. And again, here, very much on the cusp, Osaka was teetering. And, you know, it was a really high quality match, but I think Azarenka, you know, coming out of it, I think one, you know, when she has time to reflect on it, thought, you know, might have thought, ah, oh, you know, there was a, a, jaw, a door slightly open there for, for me to beat the, the world number one and, and push on. But unfortunately, it wasn't to be. And yeah, Osaka went out to Sinyakova. Um, you know, Osaka kind of in, in that match, uh, you know, she, when she was kind of reflecting on it um, in, the, in the press conference, I think she was kind of aware of, you know, carrying on her good run of form at Grand Slams. And it, it sounded like the, almost like that pressure, the pressure of that situation, you know, got to her a little bit, you know, she maybe she was a little bit nervous on the court and, you know, she was hitting a lot of unforced errors and, you know, the points weren't simply going on long enough for her to, uh, yeah, for her to make her mark. And, and Sinyakova kind of took advantage of that. Yeah, I was, I was totally expecting Osaka to come back because seeing as she'd done it, you know, twice already this tournament and has a history of doing it in the slams that she, you know, went on to win. Uh, but it wasn't quite enough. And yeah, she really wasn't playing very well. The bit, the bit of the match that I saw, um, I could only watch the end. Um, but you know, she had, she had her 16 consecutive Grand Slam, uh, match wins, which actually was the biggest streak, um, for a player. Um, that's not Serena Williams since 2002. Um, so, you know, I think that, as you said, was on her mind, you know, this, all this talk about, could she do three in a row, you know, but actually leading up to, to the tournament, you know, she wasn't in the greatest form. Like she, she had only lost, I think, to Benchich, but she'd had to pull out of two other tournaments with injury. So it's not like coming in. We, we weren't really talking about her were we that much as like one of the, the hot, hot favourites, but we just kind of thought, well, she's won the last two slams. Who's to say she can't do it again? Um, but yeah, that match against Sinyakova, she was far too inconsistent. And uh, Sinyakova, you know, closing out the match, I was thinking, oh, is she going to get nervous? But, you know, she is actually already a Roland Garros champion. She she won the doubles last year here and also at Wimbledon. So, uh, you know, she did demonstrate that she's a, she was able to get over the finishing line. But I do think Osaka you know, did help her along the way with a lot of errors uh, towards the end. Um, let's also talk about Serena Williams. Um, she wasn't perhaps hot favourite for the tournament. It was more a case of how far would she get, having come in off the back of literally no match practice uh, and a knee injury. <laughs> yeah, I think she had like one one game on a, on a clay court in the build-up to, you know, in Roland Garros. So not ideal, not ideal preparation and... 
yeah, came up against Sophia Kenin of, you know, the States, 20 year old, up and comer, you know, lots of, you know, lots of heart, lots of tenacity. And yeah, she took her, she took her game to Serena. And again, in the, in the press conference, you know, she was talking about, you know, when you step on court with Serena Williams, you can't let her dictate, you can't let her control the points. And really that was kind of her game plan. It was to kind of take control of the points and yeah, not let Serena kind of, uh, get into get into the rally, get her you know get her movement um, up and running. So she did very well to kind of execute her her game plan and yeah, kind of took her out in in quite a you know in straight sets fashion. So um, yeah, quite a. I, I still feel I was I was quite surprised by the result. I still was expecting Serena to win that. Yeah, I think if it had gone to a third, I would have expected Serena to um, have broken broken through and and uh, claimed that one. But then, you know, who's to say in the next round she would have then faced Ash Barty. So that would have, I don't know how, if Serena would have been able to have gone, you know, that much further. I, I just don't think she is fit enough at the moment to to kind of go all the way. Um, and people are now, you know, starting to question whether she will ever uh, break Margaret Court's record. Um, and I think, again, that's going to start adding more pressure onto Serena, you know, if she is sort of hungry to to break that record which you know i'm sure she is but um i mean i mean you talk about you talk about uh yeah adding adding pressure to the situation you 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 um people were keen to highlight that her outfit this year had the word the french words for champion queen mother and goddess on them yep so <laughs> as you do I mean, no, no pre- definitely no pressure no pressure there well last year she had the cat suit um that was then what banned much uh, amid much controversy and then yeah she uh i although um in the press conference someone said um oh those four words that's a lot to carry isn't it you know referring to champion queen mother and goddess and then she said well it is a lot to carry but so is being serena williams so yeah definitely some kind of uh i don't know an interesting outfit i quite liked it though like the style like style of it um that was one of the nicer the nicer ones we've seen um but yeah i will um also we should talk about serena in press conferences what um what did you make of the reports about dominic team being uh, removed at, at serena williams's request <laughs> yeah i thought this was i i think this the information maybe you've have got twisted a little bit to the point where people were thinking Serena was being a diva and wanted to get it over with and you know was almost kind of putting team un- underneath her but I, I don't was that the situation or was it something different where um well I think she didn't uh, yeah, want to wait but I think she asked if there was a you know a press room free and they were like well Dominic team's in there and then I don't know, because I think he was kind of coming to the end of his press conference anyway, and it might not have been too much longer because he'd moved on to like the German language questions. So they always do English first and then whatever other language. And then, you know, I just saw the footage of when someone came in and said, oh, sorry, you know, you've got to move. And he's like, what the hell? And then, obviously, you know, he was like, well, I can do what I want. If you're making me move, I'm just going to walk out. And he off he went. And, you know, I would be I would be annoyed if I was him as well, but I don't really know if it, you know, if it was Serena being a diva or if it was just the organisation of the press room. Someone made a mistake and then, you know, they they need to look into that because, I mean, I know the other day Simona Halep had to wait like 20 minutes or something. So they shouldn't be calling players, making them wait 
too long you know it's it's they need to kind of sort it out Roland Garros um but yeah I just <laughs> I loved some of the drama that was escalating as a result of that um but uh, you know there's always some kind of drama involving Serena these days um yeah. let's have a look at some of the other players that um haven't made it through uh that well maybe we thought would be um at the deeper stage of this tournament so we did have Petra Kvitova withdrawing um, before she even played a match with a, a left forearm injury. So that was a bit of a shame because she you knows she's been in really good form this year. And then we also had Kiki Burton's retiring from her second round match with a stomach bug, um, which no one could have foresawn, least alone her. So, you know, a real shame because she was, you know, a lot of people's pick for the title, having, you know, won Madrid and being in arguably the best clay form. I was sure when that was announced that Burton's was withdrawing that all the British fans, all the Cons fans <laughs> were, were really? ears pricked up momentarily <laughs> because because I think that, you know, that kind of, that almost slice of luck for Conta, it helped, you know, open the draw for her. And, and yeah, she's yeah. now, you know, making the most of it because she would have faced Burton's in mm-hmm. round three and that would have been a very, you know, difficult match uh, against a difficult opponent, an informed opponent as well. But uh, because she didn't have to uh, have that match, you know, she's had more time on court, got to the quarterfinals and yeah, she's going to be you know fit and ready and firing hopefully, um, you know, for the second week. Exactly. And um, we also lost Pliskova, who who had just won Rome. You know, she was the second seed. She lost um, Petra Martic in the third round. Perhaps that wasn't really a massive upset because Martic has also been in really good form on the clay. And Pliskova, like we were saying in our, our Rome catch up that, yeah, she's very like underrated and, and a lot of people never seem to pick her, you know, as the favourite for anything, which is perhaps a bit unjustified. But then, you know, having said that, she keeps, you know, is she really that consistent in slams? You know, there is always a question mark over that. And also we had Kerber. She she lost, I think, on the first match of the tournament on Chatria in the first round. And, you know, perhaps she wasn't, um, you know, a top favourite, but certainly as a, a former slam champ, you know, um, that was a, a, still a bit of a surprise, although I think she did have an injury um, or she certainly isn't in the best shape. As And the same can be said for Wozniacki. Again, no one was talking about her and she she had an injury. Perhaps she shouldn't have played, but she went out in the in the first round as well. Um, so, yeah, a whole host of players that uh, haven't made it through. Ostapenko as well, who, you know, just kind of a, a note on her, obviously a French Open champion, lost in... Uh, lost to Azarenka in round one. Ostapenko has kind of, I know, gone from such a high to such a low in such a short period of time. Um, You know, 2017, she won the competition. 2018 and 2019, she's gone out in in the first round in both of both years. So um, I don't know what's happening with her game, but um, she she needs to work particularly on her serves because I think she serves 17 double faults in that first round match against uh, against Azarenka. She did. And actually the year before she won the title, she lost in the first round. So she's only ever won seven matches at Roland Garros all in the same year, which to be fair, if you're only ever going to win seven matches at Slam, I guess you do all want them to win the same year. And and actually, Kim, <laughs> Kim, maybe that bodes well for Conta as well, mm. because, you know, we, we talk about Conta who actually came into this Roland Garros with no wins at the French Open, having... I've you know been it been um, at Roland Garros I think three or four times previously but 
you know, could she do the same thing in terms of <laughs> going all the way? Who knows? I'd take that. I would totally take Joe Connors to win this year and then never win another match at Roland Garros ever again. <laughs> it meant that she would win this, win the title. Um, so yeah, I mean, we will see who, I mean, who's your pick now for the women's title after the first week? Who's your money on <laughs> after what we've seen? <laughs> well, I think, I think I, th- well, I did have Kiki Burton's, I think, in my predictions, but I did not foresee a stomach bug ruining her <laughs> chances. So if I could change and, and kind of looking at who's left in the draw, I think I, I think I'd have to go back to Simona Halep because mm. she's kind of gone through um, she's gone through her matches. Um, you know, she's had a, a couple of scares, but nothing too major. And I think she's you know, obviously got that. Grand Slam experience already, French Open champion in the past. Uh, I think that's going to put her in, in good stead, particularly against players who might, you know, potentially be overawed by the situation when we kind of talk about these teenagers in these kind of circumstances for the first time in their career. Yeah, do you know what? I think we could potentially see a repeat of last year's final, uh, Halep and Stevens. I'm not entirely sure what the Stevens Mugarutsa score is right now, but um, I wouldn't you know, um, be surprised if that was to to happen. Um, obviously, I'd love Joe Conta to win. But I mean, I think I think Halep for me is, is again, the most likely. But, you know, she could lose tomorrow. We say this now and it could all go pear-shaped for her. A um, couple of other things from the week that I quite um, enjoyed seeing was, I don't know if you saw, Joel, but in, um, in the first round, Buzkova, uh, she was playing Andreescu and... Um, she got attacked by pigeons, which I thought was quite entertaining, but it was a bit unfortunate because the umpire actually um, docked a point against Buzkova for stopping. <laughs> and she was obviously arguing that it should have been a let because how are you supposed to you know, hit the shot when pigeons are flying towards you? Yeah. Um, but it just reminded me of something out of a Hitchcock film because, you know, it's like <laughs> birds swooping down on you. And, you know, if I'd been her, I would have run away screaming. Um but yeah, there was a big argument afterwards because, you know, she said it was unfair. And, uh, but yeah, that she, she ended up losing that match to, to Andreescu, um, who then actually withdrew from, uh, her second round match with an injury. So, um, she, you know, will hopefully get that sorted out because as, as you said earlier, Andreescu has been, you know, one to watch this year. And, you know, it's a shame that she's got kind of fairly, I don't know if it, how serious the injury is to her shoulder, but, you know, she certainly doesn't want to have that going on and on for years. Um, and also we, um, one of my personal favorites on the women's tour, Lucy, I, I, w- I should say her name correctly, which is Shafadova, I think. Apologies, any Czech listeners. Uh, but Lucy Safarova, as people probably know her as, she's now <laughs> finally retired and she had a nice, uh, ceremony, um, and a sort of, you know, little prize giving, uh, on Philip Chatrier and she was in the doubles, um, but they lost in the first round. She was playing with uh Sybil Cover, I think. But yeah, she's finally bowed out um from professional tennis. Yeah, and uh I saw a, a nice tweet on on Twitter I saw that uh, it basically summed up Czech women's Czech women's tennis uh at the French Open. One Czech lefty withdrew, one Czech lefty played a final match and one Czech lefty is into the quarterfinals. So uh, <laughs> the so all the the Czech the Czech women in in um in the uh, uh, Roland Garros, having uh, 
uh, mixed fortunes. Mixed fortunes, uh, and, yeah. <laughs> and if you're wondering who those players were, uh, I believe it was uh, Kvitova, Shivajeva, Safarova, yes. <laughs> and uh, Von, Von, Von Drusova. Von Drusova, yeah. Great stuff. <laughs> Must be something about Czech lefties. Uh, yeah. Um, right. Well, that's the women's um, women's roundup. I'm just going to check on the Muga Roots or Stevens score um, because, you know, that could be going to a third. It could be. Oh, no, it's over. Sloane Stevens has won in straight sets. So, yeah, the Halep Stevens rematch is still on. Um, so yeah, yeah, right. Well, and, and the Conta, the Conta Stevens <laughs> oh, rematch is on yes. because they played each other in in Rome, Rome in, and Conta beat her. Yeah. So it, I think it was in straight sets, wasn't it? So oh, please, if that could happen again. Yeah. Well, so, <laughs> so we'll see, we'll see. But uh, yeah, let's move on to the men's draw and let's look at who's left in the draw in the round of sixteen. So we've had a, we've had a few we've had a few matches today as well. Um, so we know a couple of players who are into the um, into the quarterfinals, but let's go through them. So we've got uh, Djokovic versus Struff, uh, Fognini versus Zverev, Team Monfils, Kachanov Del Potro, and then in the quarterfinals, uh, one that is definitely set is Vavrinka versus Federer. And we've got, I think, on at the moment, uh, Nishikori versus Benoit Paire. And they will, uh, the winner of that will face Nadal, who beat Londero um, earlier today in a fairly routine straight sets match. Uh, Kim, any, any, any thoughts on that? I mean, I think, you know, for me, I think the, the thing that stands out is that, you know, we, we spoke about in the women's draw, we've only got three of the, the top eight left um, in the draw. But on the men, it seems like the complete opposite. And I think that... I think there was a stat out there saying kind of top 10 seeds in the round of 16 uh, for the third time, third time ever in, in the open era. Um, it happened in 1969, 1970, and it's happened today. So it just kind of shows you the, the top players in the men's game are getting through to where they should be at in, in the Grand Slams. Yeah, even players like Fabio Fognini and Karen Kachanov, which, you know, yes, they're the ninth and 10th seeds, but you wouldn't put your money on them getting to the fourth round, would you? Um, but yeah, I think that's great in a way because it, it shows that they're, they're living up to their billing. And we have seen some some impressive matches on the men's side. I think, yeah, the Sitsipas wavrinka match, which has just happened. 8-6 um, in the fifth to Stan, the man. Uh, but they're very close. I mean, I think the the final points tally was like 195 to Stefanos Tsitsipas and then 194 to Stan. So, you know, neck and neck really could have gone either way. Um, we also have had Kane Shikori continuing his five setters that he loves to engage in and, and win. He has this kind of really high percentage um, of five set victories. Um, and he, he battled through uh, against Laszlo Jair um, earlier in the tournament, uh, winning eight six in the fifth, and uh, I mean he's he's a set up on pair as we record this. I I, I don't think this one's going to be a five setter. I think he'll get the better of pair. Um, but yeah, Nishikori is kind of steadily progressing, perhaps uh, in in his five set fashion as he does. Um, in terms of the the big three, they've kind of been going through pretty nicely. Uh, no no surprises. I mean Rafa dropped a set against Goffan. You know, Goffan upped his game for for thirty minutes. 
it's been quite efficient, I think, you know, from the top three in terms of Nadal, Federer and Djokovic. As you said, the only kind of real, you know, warning warning sign was in that Nadal Goffin match where Goffin was able to take a set. But again, they've kind of come through uh without and without too much dramas. Unlike, you know, someone unlike someone like uh Dominic Team, for example, who, you know, potentially French Open favourite has had a lot more minutes um on on a tennis court perhaps probably more minutes than he would have liked um at the um yeah at, at the at the french open um i think he's been involved in in uh, a five setter he had cuevas in the, in the last round as well which he had to he won in in four sets so certainly with the top 3 i think they've yeah they've come through quite efficiently with as little minutes on, on court as possible um and yeah kind of puts them in uh, good positions for the um, for the second week. Yeah, um, team. I don't know how well he's actually playing, really, because he's he's been dropping sets where he which he really shouldn't have been dropping. You know, if he wants to really contend for this, so I'm not really sure where his head's at. I mean, when they did the draw, it was kind of like, oh, Djokovic has got team in his semi. That's that's going to be the tougher one. But just based on how Federer is playing, I, I kind of think Djokovic has got an easier ride now in his section. Uh, you know, he's got Struth in the fourth round and then he played either Fognini or Zverev. And I think that's going to be a, an absolute walk in the park for Djokovic. You know, no offence to the other players, but I really can't see anyone defeating Djokovic um, until he gets to the final, hopefully. Um, <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Federer's been very um, efficient. I'm, I'm thinking as well, whoever designed his outfit and that sort of, interesting shade of brown might have taken a leaf out of Stan's book when he won in 2015 for kind of the the ugliest outfit winning the tournament and I'm thinking maybe that's why he's dressed like a a delivery man as um as someone has pointed out he looks like a UPS delivery driver I don't I don't understand because Nishikori is obviously sponsored by (laughs) Unigirl I really like his outfit but yeah Federer's outfit is just like this beige yeah UPS delivery delivery man service sort of sort yeah of I mean Nishikori's in like bright pink and yellow so maybe that was a bit too much for Federer um but yeah Federer has also become the first player in history either man or woman to play 400 singles matches at the slams so he's made yet another piece of history by doing that um and also another interesting piece of history uh for Serbian tennis is that we had four Serbians in the third round um would you be able to name all the Serbians Joel uh, well, I think we've already mentioned a couple of them in in Novak and Laszlo Gier. Uh, think Philip Philip Kranjevic, yeah, was probably one of them. Yeah, and uh, I think Dusan Dusan Lajovic, yeah, I think yeah. is also in exactly. there. Kran- Kranjevic is a very very tough competitor. Uh, I think Sissipas found that found that out. But um, yeah, uh, Serbian tennis seems to be in rude health at the moment. Yeah. Um, and they've also got Kekmanovic, haven't they, who's not far off. Mm. So I think, you know, I guess that's testament to the effect that Djokovic has had on, you know, up and coming players in Serbia yeah. is that we've got and kind more of, now. Yeah. And kind of focusing on the French contingent as well. Another really interesting, uh, really interesting stat. There are three wild cards all into uh, the third round as well at the French Open. That was the first time since 1991. And they were... Um, Nicholas Mahu, um, Mute, and 
Oh, Kim, I'm not going to be able to pronounce this guy's fight. Uh, Antoine uh, Huang. <laughs> Anto- I think. Antoine Huang. <laughs> yeah. So um, he beat Vadasco in the second round, which I was quite surprised about. I thought Vadasco was was going to go on a bit of a roll here, but um, not to be. <laughs> but Mahu, he he had his own he had his own little yeah, drama, was, didn't he? That was fantastic. Third round. Oh, he he was. I, I read an article actually because he was like using the idea of him facing Federer in the fourth round as ma- as motivation. And, you know, he came up in the third round against Leonardo Mayo and, and as definitely a, a winnable tie, but mm. unfortunately it was a step too far. But, you know, I think for Mahu, that, uh, you know, a, a veteran of the, of the game, you know, an absolute uh, crowd pleaser, for him to get to the third round was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, because... And, uh, and when he brought his... His son. He brought his kids... He brought, yeah, he brought his son on court, didn't he? Which was, yeah, which was really nice. Yeah, nice, a nice moment. You know, he's ranked 252 in the world. He's actually the lowest ranked player to have reached the um, third round in Roland Garros uh, for several years. And uh, he hasn't actually won an ATP tour-level singles match this year. So, again, if you're going to win... Um, a match, a singles match this year, then at least make it at your home home slam. Um, but also, um, he uh, his his doubles partner of many years, Pierre Hugues Ebert, who we spoke at I guess at some length on this podcast before. He also <laughs> he's now dedicating himself to singles, um, which you know is perfectly justified because he's got a great a great game. But he um, he had some dramatic matches as well. He came back from two sets down in the first round to beat uh, Medvedev, who was the twelfth seed. And then he ended up losing 11-9 in the fifth to Benoit Paire um, in sort of an epic five-setter. So, you know, he had um, he had some interesting matches. And I think someone was saying, you know, because of the differences in the prize money between the doubles and the singles, just by getting to, you know, the second round, um, he actually, Herbert actually, you know, got more prize money than from winning the title in the doubles last year. Um, which is quite bad, really. It just goes to show that the doubles, I think, is underpaid. But um, but yeah, he was involved in some dramatic matches, especially for the home the home crowd. Um, but who else did we? Who else have we seen not perhaps live up to expectations? I was surprised yeah. that Christian Garin didn't make more of a of in of an inroad. Um, he did face Stan in in the second round, but he kind of got white washed off the court. And I thought, you know, Christian Garin informed Clay Quarter, has won two titles. He was kind of one of our ones to watch and he wasn't very, uh, you know, it was a bit disappointing in the end. But Yeah. And also we had uh, semi-finals from last year, Cecchinato. We just kind of briefly spoke about Mahu getting to the third round. He actually defeated Cecchinato in the first round. And, and Cecchinato was, was two sets up, you know, two sets up against someone who's, 250 odd in the world and <laughs> you were a semi-finalist from last year you'd think you know you'd be able to close that out but uh you know Cecchinato would have you know lost a lot of ranking points be- because yeah. of that um and he's he's never he's won been, a match uh, in any other slam yeah. <laughs> I think <laughs> so um I think last year was just you know a one-hit wonder for him um because he's lost in the first round at every other slam he's ever played except for 2018 French Open do you know what I'm thinking? I am loving this uh, Cecchinato and um, 
Ostapenko, who have had <laughs> lost in the first round whenever, and but have also done really well. And I'm hoping that is a good omen for uh, for Conta. I guess they're like all or nothing kind of people. So, Joel, <laughs> who is your money on for the men's title after the oh. first week? I guess it's probably hasn't really changed much from what we said last time round. No, I still think having watched a bit of uh, Djokovic, I I would still put him as my kind of number one uh, favourite to win the tournament. That hasn't changed. I'm I'm more confident, though, that there's going to be a Federer-Nadal semi-final. You know, Federer's got Vavrinka in, in the quarterfinals, and I think he's, you know, his, considering his head-to-head record, he should, you know, he should come through that. And, you know, I kind of expect Nadal uh, to come out um, of his quarterfinal. I think... I think he would either face Nishikuri or, or Pear. And uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm confident there will be a Federer-Nadal semi-final on one side. And I'm confident whoever wins that will face Djokovic in the final. Whether team is in that semi-final, I'm not sure. I think Monfils is playing really well at the moment with a French crowd. That is going to give us a real indication of where you know Dominic team's game, yeah. at is, game is at at the moment. Um, and yeah, and Zverev is is hanging on in there. <laughs> I know we always kind of talk about him at Grand Slams as as uh, always underperforming and you know not getting to the not getting to the second week like ever. But uh, he's shown some. He's definitely shown some uh, character to to win some really tough uh, opening matches in um, in five sets. And then uh, he actually came through his third round match routinely against. Uh, Emer of Sweden in in three sets. So, uh, you know, who knows? He he could he could spring, he could. Um, I still think he goes into the that match against Fognini as the the underdog. But again, um, <laughs> I mean, who knows? I think who that knows? will be five sets. I think anything involving Fognini uh, is often five sets. Um, <laughs> I was surprised that his match against Roberto Bautista Agut didn't become a an epic five setter. But yeah, I think. Um, I mean, if for example, if Wawrinka is going to win this, he's going to have to beat. You know, Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, the trio, which, you know, given on his day, I think Stan can beat them. But will he be able to be, you know, playing lights out tennis for three matches? That's the toughest well, job in tennis, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, he's already done it for one match as well against Sissipas. So for it would be for four matches. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's that is a tall that is a tall order, especially when he's got a head to head record that's not great. Uh, against against Federer so yeah I think against um, Federer he's yeah. I think he's got a worse record than against uh, Novak or or Rafa and you know I mean if he did go on and win the title Ravringa you know he played Dimitrov and that was a, a close a close match I think it was three tie breaks so he actually would probably have had like the toughest draw of anyone to have won the slam so I mean we'll see we'll see what happens let's talk about the Brits uh Brits in Roland Garros so obviously Joe Conta best performing Brit quarterfinalist she is the first British woman to reach that stage since 1983 when Joe Jury uh I think she, Joe Jury got to the semis that year um but as for our other Brits in the singles draw pretty sorry state of affairs I mean Carl Edmund did really well to win his first round match against Jeremy Shardy they had a an overnight break came back Kyle did exactly what he needed to do to win the two games to win 7-5 in the fifth um, but then he sadly had to retire in the second round against Pablo Cuevas with a knee injury, which he said has been bothering him, I think, for the last year on and off. So, 
I guess he was just thinking of, of Wimbledon and the grass and, and wanting to be kind of fully fit for that. Um, and I think from two sets down, he, he probably knew that he had no chance to, to come back. He didn't have the fight in him on that one. Um, and then Dan Evans lost in four sets to Podasco first round, which I guess pretty predictable. Um, it, I mean, it could have been winnable. He did well to get a set, but it kind of ran away from him. Uh, but Cam Norrie, this was a bit of a surprise. Uh, I, yeah, this was awful. This was awful <laughs> terrible, viewing. Terrible this was awful viewing, Kim. <laughs> he lost uh, in straight sets to French wildcard Elliot Benchetri. Uh, I'm saying I'm completely wrong. Uh, world number 273. So I don't know what was going on with Cam. Uh, even in his post-match interview, he just seemed really like nonplussed. Um, I don't know. There was something about his attitude. He was just like, "Yeah, I didn't play well. That's life." You know, he wasn't sort of distraught. Yeah. It, it wasn't a it wasn't a good loss. It was the sets weren't even close. Uh, it was almost over as soon as you know it was it was over by like an hour into the, into the match, and it was a bit. It was kind of it was kind of worrying because you know we've ex- we expect a lot more from Norrie, and and hopefully he will you know, come back and, you know, uh, get, you know, uh, he will come back from this, obviously. But at, at this moment at the French Open, you should not be losing to no. the world number 273. No, exactly. Um, British doubles, though. We've got Joe Salisbury flying the flag into round four um, with his partner, Rajiv Ram. They're the, actually the 11th seeds. And they had a really good win today against Continent and Piers, who um, are really good doubles team. Was- was that in the? Was that in the? Was that the fourth round? Or was that um, no? That was round? the third round today, I believe. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, and also Neil Skupski, I believe, is still in the mixed doubles with uh, Martinez Sanchez. Uh, I think they might be playing today. I might need to check up on that one, but they certainly won their first round. Um, and everyone else has lost, I'm afraid, from the doubles. So Dominglot, Dan Evans, and Cam. Uh, Luke Bambridge, Johnny Omar, the Skupskis, uh, Jamie Murray, they all lost um, in either like the first round or second round. Um, and just a note actually on Jamie Murray and Bruno Suarez, they've actually now ended their partnership after, well, they were together for a good few years. They won two Grand Slams and 10 titles overall, but they've, they're going their separate ways. Jamie's going to be partnering Neil Skupski for the rest of the year. So um, that's a great step up for Neil. Um, I mean, no offense to Ken, but I think, you know, Neil's the younger of the two. And I think him and Jamie together, I think that's going to be a really good team. And, um, I guess Bruno Suarez, I can't remember who he said he's going to start playing with. It's completely gone from my mind, but I think he's already got a partner lined up. So already- on to pastures. Just new. That- yeah. And just on that, Jamie, that new partnership for to Jamie Murray, I wonder. It, you know, is that going to be the new partnership for the Davis Cup? Yeah. Uh, mm. Sorry, not the Davis Cup, the Cosmos Cup. Um, oh, but, um, <laughs> stick with branding. <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry, for, yeah, for the new new Davis Cup, I wonder if we'll see more of that partnership. Yes, at Grand Slams. Yes, on the tour level, but in GB competitions as well. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, we'll see how that one goes. Um, but yeah, Joe Conter's definitely been uh, the outstanding Brit of the tournament. And fingers crossed that um, she can kind of go even further. Um, but let's hear now from one of our listeners, Anna, who has been on site at Roland Garros this week. Uh, she 
she just kind of sent in a little uh, voice note to us. Uh, so thank you, Anna, just kind of telling us what her experience has been like. So let's take a listen. Hi, my name is Anna, and I'm here to talk about my personal experience during the first week at Roland Garros. So um, I kicked it off with Kids Day on the Saturday before the start of the tournament. And um, if you're not allergic to hundreds of children running around, pushing you and stepping on your feet, I would definitely recommend to go to Kids Day because you get the chance to see many top players playing practice matches on the show courts. Like um, Rafa Nadal playing against Pablo Cuevas, for example. It was really interesting to watch. It was, it was fun to see how Rafa was fully focused, like it was a real match. So it was very enjoyable. But um, yeah, on the downside, parents can be pretty pushy and they push their children to get autographs and they even tell them off if they don't get them. Well, most children, or no, the children don't know most of the players they're running after, which is, well, it's a bit fun to watch. On this Sunday, I went to the official opening of the Simon Mathieu show court. It's a beautiful court, fully integrated into the greenhouses. The people of Paris petitioned for years to make sure Roland Garros wouldn't tear down the greenhouses just to build a new stadium. And they were so right to do so. I'm so glad they fought for it because um, the settings are just beautiful. The walk to the court is a delight. And well, kudos to the architects who actually drew all this. It's amazing. Now that the court Simon Mathieu is finished, Roland Garros is going to tear down court number one, which it, which looks a bit like an arena. And it has been the place of many very special matches over the years. So it's a bit sad, but somehow it does make sense because um, there's definitely not enough space on the grounds for all the people. The alleys can be very crowded and it's not easy to get around. So yeah, I can see the point. You need more space. And one of my highlights was the round two match between Dimitrov and Cilic. The atmosphere was electrical. It took place on Simon Mathieu and they ended up opening the doors for everyone to come in because it was already late at night. It was a great match. I was, I'm, I'm really glad I was there. And uh, if you ever come to the French Open, I would recommend to bring your own picnic and your own drinks because um, prices are just way too high. You'd pay like about three pounds or three pounds fifty for a bottle of water, which is like it's robbery. And a useful tip from Anna there about the food at Grand Slams. I don't know about you, Joel, but every slam I've been to, the food has been ridiculously overpriced and yeah if there's one tip that I can ever recommend to tennis fans it's to bring your own packed lunch and save your pennies for like an ice cream on a baking hot day when you've got sweat dripping (laughs) down your skin (laughs) that that reminds me because when I went to the US Open last time I I took loads of food in and I was worried that I'd actually taken too much food and that the security guard at the at the um yeah before entry was like looking through my bag and he was like hey man you got all the snacks you got all the snacks and i was like oh thank god he's gonna let me in with all my uh my cheese doodles or whatever but um yeah definitely uh definitely a, a good tip there to uh yeah bring bring where you can't bring your own food because yeah it'll just kind of yeah sort of save save you money yeah and also the i'm i might th- i might plan a trip to roland garros um 
maybe in the next few years because I want to check out the the new Simone Mathieu court. Everyone says you know it's it's really pretty in the surroundings, um, but it's also a shame that they are losing. You know the the uh, the court, court one the ball ring because you know. Uh, that does get some some epic epic matches sometimes. I've had some great great play on that one, but um, yeah, thank you Anna for that. Um, let's let's we've scoreboard stories, Joe. I think we've had so many stats being banded around this uh, this week at Roland Garros, um, some of which we've already uh, talked about. Let's um, one thing that I thought was quite interesting um, with a nod to the junior tournament that's actually you know started today. I think. Um, on a side note, we have no British boys or girls in in the juniors, which is a bit of a, a sad state of affairs. But um, Diane Parry, she is the second seed in the juniors um, on the women's side, but she actually was given a wild card into the main draw, um, and she she won that match. She defeated Vera Lapko, and at sixteen years and two hundred and eighty one days old, she became the youngest WTA player to win a Roland Garros main draw match um, in ten years. Um, and then I just thought, oh, it's interesting that she's actually in the juniors as well. So um, it's not every day that, you know, a junior would be able to to get a chance to play in the same tournament on the main draw. So I thought that was quite a fun fact. And she's, you know, a name to watch for French tennis going forward. C- certainly. And and just on the point of, of no Brits in the in the junior draws, uh, on the on the commentary today, uh, I think it was Anne Kjofevong said that the reason Emma Raducanu's not there, who's a, a hot prospect in, in British tennis, is because she's doing her GCSEs. Oh, well, you've got so, to do your GCSEs. Uh, you know, there are some, yeah. <laughs> you, you know, there are some legitimate reasons going on there. So, uh, 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 yeah, so uh, yeah, GCSEs are way more important than uh, you know, French Open, uh, French Open junior junior. Draw. Yeah, and for but, any um, for any non-British uh, yeah. listeners, GCSEs <laughs> are like your when you're 16 years old and you you know you're leaving school they're the exams you kind of need for the rest of your life to prove that you can like <laughs> add up and, and write and just get yeah. on so yeah you don't want to skip those um another the, uh, random but, random fact yeah. joel let, let us know what this random piece oh, of uh, i love this i love this fact. <laughs> i didn't know this i didn't know this happened but um we talk about kind of you know uh, tennis is normally like a family game and you know uh stefanos sissipas mum uh julia As- aspastoli uh was a tennis player as well uh back in the 90s and um we talk about the sissipas zverev rivalry at the moment well S- stefanos's mum actually beat alex zverev's mum irina Zver- zvereva in the 1994 athens ITF final uh which I just had no idea about and I love this sort of you know the fact that we're talking about like this rivalry that is all this kind of we thought was kind of new and had never happened before like now well actually in 1994 <laughs> almost like the the start of it I like to think like there's some sort of connection and the start of it happened with uh it was in the stars <laughs> it was meant yeah, to be yeah Sispas's <laughs> mum defeated uh Zvero's mum and now Sispas's sorry Zverev is coming back and being like how dare you defeat uh, <laughs> vengeance how dare for my you mother's defeat, defeat. My, my <laughs> <laughs> yeah that is yeah. I don't know who found that stat but it was on Twitter quite a few people were tweeting it so kudos to whoever like dragged that one out of the history books I thought that was pretty cool um, but yeah, in other non-Roland Garros news, though, I mean, we should say um, 
talking about British tennis, um, Joe Conta hasn't been the only Brit to have had some success of late. Paul Jubb, um, who I've never heard of before, I'm not going to lie, but we certainly have heard of him now. He has become the first British NCAA singles champion. Um, so the NCAA is the American Collegiate Tennis Championships, um, if you like. And he um, he's won that title. And, you know, former winners of that, I think, include like McEnroe. Um, I don't know. Johnny Snurs, he won it. I mean, he was certainly a big collegiate player. It's an interesting one because, you know, there is a pathway from college tennis to the, the main tour. And, uh, you know, players like Cam Norrie have gone through uh, have gone through that pathway. Maybe that will happen to, to Paul Jubb as well. Um, any kind of any listeners, any of our American listeners, I don't know. Have you ever seen Paul Jubb in action? We'd love to. We'd love to hear from you. Is he is he any good? Do you think he's any good? Do you think he's a prospect? Do you think he could make? <laughs> do you it think on he's the, any good? The ATP circuit. <laughs> I think <laughs> he must well, be some good to the... run this title. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. Oh, great. Granted, he he's good enough to. <laughs> to win at kind of a, a collegiate level but do you think you know do you think he could get uh onto the onto the world tour could he kind of make a living like kind of cam nori does can now he become a, on the atp tour We'd... a household name yeah i mean it's it's yeah. great you know he's actually gone and won this thing so he's got a wild card into surbiton so any um british fans traveling to surbiton which starts tomorrow on the grass in southwest london um really nice little tournament uh so i would definitely recommend going to anyone who's thinking about it paul job has got a wild card so you can see him in action and, and see for yourself if he's any good as joel is <laughs> asking um also we did have evan hoyt welsh tennis number one he won his third uh itf tournament in greece uh I think last week, two weeks ago. So um, shout out to Evan Hoyt. And um, on less salubrious terms, I, I was also um, in the news this week, was that a Ukrainian tennis player, Helen Ploshkina, has been banned for life and fined $20,000 for match-fixing offences. Uh, she's currently ranked number 821 in uh, the ITF rankings and she well she's only ever reached a career high ranking of 698 back in 2014 so unsurprisingly we hadn't heard of her but um she is no more on the tennis scene because she's been convicted of match fixing so and i guess uh, and a polite kim, good speaking, riddance i kim speaking <laughs> of fines uh i thought I, I saw today another one which was quite interesting was i don't know if you saw tatishvili uh the american who faced Sakari in the first round, lost 6-love, six 6-1. Six um, she was actually fined her entire French Open first round prize money um, because, because she couldn't play. She, it was determined that, yeah, she's failed to she make, um, make a, a competitive game out, out of the match. Um, and uh, I think this was a, I, I think this is a, a new rule that was brought in, you know, in the last six, to, six to twelve months or so. But um, yeah, she got fined all of her, all of her winnings because, yeah, she she felt like she turned up and she denied, I guess she denied spectators a, 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 a match that was worth, you know, worth paying for. But if it was an injury, then you know she could have pulled out before to to claim the money, as you know Katie Balter did, much to some controversy on Twitter. Um, but yeah, well, there you go. She uh, she won't be doing that one again, will she? I, I mean, unless that, unless that's <laughs> well, something dodgy like, going on. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Who knows? I feel like yeah, some people 
maybe some players are looking like uh, they're, they're trying to fake it, maybe. Mm-hmm. But you just can't fake it when you get on a tennis court. And when you, you know when you lose love and one, it's always it's going to raise eyebrows. Isn't it, it would be so, interesting uh, to see what her defense was because they must have had some kind of hearing. They can't just dock mm-hmm. it without her giving her side of events. So we'll have to look into that one, investigate it, <laughs> tennis police. <laughs> um, but I think that rounds up our, our catch up for week one of Roland Garros. Um, we'll be back in a week's time to discuss the second week's shenanigans. And in a week's time, we'll probably know who has won all of the titles. Unless the, you know, the men's singles becomes a dramatic seven hour match. You know, Roland Garros is the only tournament to not to have five set uh, tie breaks. So, um, <laughs> we will see. Um, I was thinking, actually, it's probably the one tournament you, where you would want a final set tie break, seeing as clay court matches are historically known to to be the most grueling. But that's another. That's a um, something for another another day, isn't it, Joel, to discuss that one? Um, but yeah, any any last thoughts, Joel? Well, we're coming up to the the grey, oh, the grey, the grass court season now. We've got Serbiton coming up as well, a challenger event, and as soon as we're done with the uh, French Open will be here uh, for the grass court season. And actually, we've got some very special episodes of the passing shot lined up, some interviews um, as part of our extra size series. But we'll also be doing our catch ups and look forwards to as well. So, yes, we're here for the rest of the French Open, but we're certainly not going to be going anywhere for the grass court season as well. But until next time, uh, thanks for listening. Enjoy week two of the French Open and goodbye. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our show. We're supported by every one of our fans in the Passing Shot community. If you want to become one of them and get the latest updates from your tennis catch-up service, then all you need to do is follow us on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook at Passing Shot Pod. And if you like what you hear, then why not tell your friends or leave us a rating and subscribe. Thanks for listening. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.,